Hey, welcome to High Resolution. My name is Bobby Koshaw. And I'm Jared Arandu. We're sitting down with 25 masters of the design industry. We're still in New York. We're having a great time. We're speaking to amazing people and we're learning how the best designers in the world approach, communicate, and deploy design in their companies. In this episode, we're speaking with Cap Watkins. Cap is the VP of Design at BuzzFeed. He's going to tell us how to apply design to anything, how to build your organization, and how to empower those around you. This amazing episode is going to start right after this quick message. For decades, design has impacted how we live. Now it's beginning to shape how we work. Here at IBM, design thinking has given us a new framework for teaming, for co-creating with our clients and users. It's helping us make decisions faster, and it's keeping humans at the center of everything we do. Cap, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so first question, what's one thing about design that's clear to you that you don't feel is as clear to other people? Uh, I mean, I think that the easiest, the simplest way to say it maybe is uh, I don't think we're as important as we think we are. Uh, I think like design, I, I've been thinking about this a long time. Like when I first started in design, I think uh, a lot of designers are having to do a lot of work inside their companies to make design like heard mm -hmm. and have like a seat at the table and uh, to be a discipline that wasn't just about like making something look a certain way, um, but to be part of defining how something worked. I think that was when I started, it was 10 years ago, I remember listening to all these podcasts from different like design leaders at the time about like the struggle of that. Like how do you get people to buy into design? Um, and I, I don't feel like we've ever lost that chip, <laughs> like that idea that like we need this, like we need to be special, we need to like, it means be more than what we are. Um, but I feel like in most cases we've kind of accomplished what we came out, set out to accomplish, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I feel like uh, now we're at a place where we actually need to come back towards the other disciplines, like, to, like bring people with us, like bring engineering with us, bring product with us, bring like these other like business with us um, into those conversations where almost like we started to push them away, you know, like push yeah. them off the table yeah. a little bit. And I like, I don't know that I feel great about that, um, that we've done that. So how then would you frame what a designer is supposed to be doing now? <laughs> if it's if it's if it's not all the stuff yeah. that we've been you yeah. know that we've been talking about for the last decade, um, no, I, I think it's the same. I think I don't think that it's about doing something differently in terms of our job description. I think like the job is still to help define how things work, to define how they look, to marry that all together into an experience that makes sense and is delightful and impactful for the business that you're in. Um, I think. Our job, actually, maybe the thing we should add to our job is, again, like making sure that we're giving a voice to everyone else and not a voice through our lens, right? I think, like, I mean, we're going to probably talk about the term design thinking at some point in this conversation, which is. A Let term me make that note I, of that. That I, I hate. <laughs> yeah. um, that I think is like, is exclusive, is like, yeah. per, like prohibitive to other teams and other people. Um, uh, and I think it's like, how do, like, the job you have is to make the areas between design and other disciplines grayer. Like how do we start to like merge them back together? Um, because that's when like the best, the best products I've ever worked on are when that's been, like, that's been the truth. That everything is just messy and everyone's doing kind of a little bit of everything and understands each other because of that. Um, we've worked a long time again to like get people to empathize with design, but like now it's time to kind of like, we have a lot, we, we wield a lot of power now in this industry and it's time to maybe like reach back out um, to other teams. Mm -hmm. 
So give us an example, right? Um, you mentioned something interesting, that the job of design, when applied correctly, is to make everything grayer and things are messy, and when things are messy, better work gets done because of it. Mm. Um, I, I want to climb down from the abstract and come into the real world. Give us an example. Uh, well, if you're a small startup, actually, that is a, that's usually just how it is. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people in like a four or five person startup. I think that was my the being in my career was all like very small startups, uh, where I would sit next to an engineer who was building the thing I was designing at almost the same time as I was <laughs> designing it. Like you know, you're like, well, we have this much money and this much time, so uh, we should probably run. Uh, <laughs> and so, like a lot of what we were doing is like I learned to code. Right, because like it would help him to not have to do certain parts of the code, right? So he could work on the bigger problems, yeah. and he learned to like quickly make design decisions in this in a similar framework to me. And so we were constantly like passing back and forth, you know, sitting right beside each other, like showing each other what we're working on, and like getting feedback in real time. Um, and that was like a really strong like collaboration, obviously. Uh, and then like in a larger example, so I worked at Etsy before BuzzFeed, mm -hmm. um, and at Etsy. I don't know if, I mean, it's been a couple of years, so I don't really know how it works anymore, but when I started, everybody in the entire company on their first day uh, deployed the website oh. to production. Code. Code. So like even the, even the person at the front desk like would add themselves to the team page. Someone would walk you through it, like would sit with you and like yeah. walk you through that process and like show you how it worked. And it gave you, this wasn't about design, right? But it gave you an appreciation for, even if you never were gonna do that again, like what it takes to push it out. I mean, they had the system where we were deploying dozens of times a day, um, and it was cheap to do and easy to do. Yeah. Um, and that, But that was also what was really interesting about that is the reason it was so easy is because like, that was one of the metrics that engineering used was like, can a designer deploy this? Can anybody deploy this? Because they knew that we would want to and would need to. Um, and so I wound up like deploying code at Etsy all the time, and it was pretty awesome and really empowering. And that like again, that kind of gray area makes you appreciate what other people go through or like what uh, the strengths of other disciplines are and how to like utilize them uh, to make the best stuff. I think. Um, and so I mean that Etsy one isn't like a design example, but you can imagine it going both ways. Where like, okay, cool, that's great. So we bring engineers into design reviews. We you know want their opinion on the design. They care a lot about the design because they are building it and deploying it and measuring it. Um, and so like that collaboration just gets really tight because you're working in the same space um, on the same types of problems. And is it and when you use the word messy, is it because the roles aren't so defined that it, the structure is rigid and that it's more fluid as the problem evolves? Well, what's interesting is like there's a, I think there's a difference between like uh, specialty and like yes. and execution yes. of that specialty. Mm -hmm. yes. um, I think like everyone respected each other's domain expertise. Right, like I respect the domain expertise of our data analyst, right, to know way more than I do about how to look at that data. They look at it all the time. Um, I may ask them like questions and like challenge assumptions that they're making, right? But uh, but at the end of the day, like they are the domain expert, and I trust them. Um, or an engineer, right, who's building something and they're telling me like, oh, this is really hard. We may have a very long conversation about why it's hard and yeah. are there easier ways we could do this, and I'm going to disagree. Um, but at the end of the day, like their domain expertise is what is why we're having that conversation in the first place. Yeah. And so, uh, so product designers at Etsy and at BuzzFeed, which we'll talk about later, like are defined. I think like people know what their job is. Mm. Um, but actually, I, I can't speak for other disciplines. But at Etsy, like, and now here, like the job descriptions for product designers include product and engineering elements to like kind of force that issue. Um, 
Um, so designers do write code at Etsy. Um, they touch code and like they do think about product stuff. It's like a thing we measure like your talent, like your, you know, your professional growth by. Like, do you think about product things in a producty way? Do you think about data? Do you think about how things are built? Um, so you kind of bake that into the role description. So how does this gray area kind of organization thing play into the hot topic of design thinking? <laughs> the, the term I hate the most. Um, well, what's funny about design thinking is I think uh, we made it up as a way to... Uh, we gave it a brand. We, gave it a, we branded it. Yeah. yeah, this is designers brand things. So we branded it. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Um, but that's totally true. So we branded this thing and we took ownership of something that everyone does and just like... <laughs> and we're like, oh, you're doing design thinking. And they're like, no, I'm... Wait. But I always do this. I'm an engineer. I just have always, I mean, it's a creative pursuit. <laughs> like, it's how I work. Yeah. Um, like, I go through an exploratory phase. I go through a definition phase. I go through, like, a, you know, a, uh, I go through a pull request, which is kind of shaping, like, refining the thing. And then yeah. I measure the result. Like, I, I go through a design, I go through design phases. Um, but, uh, and we do that organization. Like, every, de- every bone in every department, like, in every company ever has that, has design thinking in it, it's just they never brand it as just how people work. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, I think the, the lens of a designer on other disciplines is useful. I think like there's something about, um, and I, I don't mean this in design thinking way, I kind of mean this in just like the disciplinary way. Mm-hmm. And like thinking from a user's perspective is really, um, uh, is really useful for people. You know, for other people in other departments, or like to help highlight a problem or highlight why something's important. Yeah. Um, and I think instilling that is really useful. I don't know that I would call it design thinking necessarily. It's more like thinking about the end user at all. And no matter if that's an employee that works here, if you're in HR, right. or if it's like the you know the other engineers have to look at your pull request, or if it's about your team, or if it's about the person using your product. Right. I think yeah. like. Uh, and again, a lot of teams do a lot of HR departments. That's all they're concerned with mm-hmm. is the end user, mm-hmm. right? They think about that all the time, yeah. and they just don't have. They've never like branded it or described it in that way. Um, so the the work environment it sounds like we're describing is a company where design thinking. We take out the word design. We're just thinking mm-hmm. that way. There is a process about how you discover problems, mm-hmm. identify solutions, execute and measure. Right? Yeah. Um, designers are now moving into a messy environment <clears throat> where they are learning the skills of their counterparts and hopefully getting the same the other way around. Right? Yep. Um, and that sounds really interesting to me. What I'm curious about now is, you know, there, there's many people who say that design can be applied to anything. Yeah. Right? Um, but very few who talk about what that actually looks like within a company then. Mm. Um, so I'm really curious to hear how you think about that seemingly very abstract concept, especially within a company like BuzzFeed. Applying design to other disciplines yes. and like problems. Yeah, you spoke about HR, for example, right? Like right. caring about the end user, like I'm curious about other examples. Sure. Um, so I don't know, I mean, we'll probably get into this later now, but, uh, but I also like, I work across a lot of different, I'm not, I'm not just working in design mm-hmm. here. Um, uh, I work in the IT team, so like I manage the IT team, which is one team that I work with, and then I also do a lot of kind of HR type things for the tech organization at large here at BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so most recently, like we just had our annual review process company wide, um, but like I was tasked with figuring out for tech the tech department like what that process should even look like, like what are the questions we should ask, uh, what are the you know 
what's the rubric we should use to even like make give peer feedback? Like, it should it just be an open form? Should there be some rubric that can help people manage that? Um, I've been doing that for a while. I did like the mid-year reviews last year. I helped with the annual reviews before that. Um, so I've been kind of doing this for a while, and uh, and it's not even design thinking. It's like kind of like the iterative process, you know, like doing this over and over, and again thinking about it each time, like what went well, what didn't go well, like how did people respond to this, to the type of feedback they got. Like I've like I've evolved that over time, um, and actually just as recently, I got like uh, an engineer sent sent me like twenty points of feedback from his team about how this annual review went. Um, which was awesome, right? Yeah. And terrifying at the same yeah. time. I was like twenty yeah. things. Like yeah. this is great, but I'm I'm nervous that I did a lot. Like many of these things. Yeah, it's like you read the twentieth thing first, just to make sure it's like maybe you put the worst at the end, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's like, and when and I'm doing it, I'm doing it from the design perspective of like, okay, like the end users are the people that have to do this, and the people yeah. receiving the feedback, and how do we create a situation where we have the highest likelihood of people leaving great feedback, right? And people that people will accept and listen to. Um, and uh, again, I don't think it's design thinking. I really think it's like actually more like product development thinking at all. Like it's like how do we try something, see how it works for the people that it impacts, and then like iterate on it again. Yeah. Um, which again, I think is like how many departments work, and just yeah. happens to be like how I've applied it for this sort of thing. Did you guys land on a specific part of? Or a specific process in the in the review uh, in the mid year and the annual review that wasn't obvious upfront and that now maybe other people can use as well. Yeah, so that happens pretty frequently. Um, uh, so the first one I did was pretty basic. It was just like here's a form that you can fill out that says like what went well in the last six months and like what could be improved in the last six months, assuming people would use like. Their career ladder for their particular department is like the rubric. Yeah, that was the very first one. Yeah, got it. That turned out not to happen. <laughs> that turned out to be like the results were pretty varied. Like if you had someone who wrote great feedback, they wrote great feedback. Yeah. This is just someone who did that; they would do it. Um, and a lot of the reviews were like uh, came out kind of shallow, or like didn't have enough detail, or like yeah. weren't specific. And uh, and so I was thinking about that problem. And the other thing about the other nice thing about working here, particularly, is I can uh, I can. Uh, the designers are my guinea pigs. I can do whatever I want to them, yeah. and they like. And so we try things sometimes. Yeah, nice. um, and so we Vol- try. voluntary. I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. most of guinea the time. pigs normally. That's what they think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like they, they know that. Like the yeah. the point is for them to give me yes. feedback about yeah. it, right? Because then, like, that's the like. Um, it's an easy way to try something without impacting two hundred people or a thousand yes. people. Yeah. Um, and so we we wrote up product design leadership principles. Like we like this is something I'd seen at Amazon that I actually felt was really useful yeah. in terms of a rubric for like they have these you can see them online. There's a leadership principles list that they have. Yeah. They use company wide and like that's what you use for reviews at Amazon. You pick a couple mm. for each person that you're peer reviewing and for yourself and like um, and so we tried it. We wrote our own principles. We looked at a bunch of different companies and like kind of put together what we thought represented us on the design team for leader like leadership, not design skill. And we used that, and it seemed to like actually result in really strong feedback, like because it gave people something to like latch onto to say like, okay, this is the thing. I can write examples of why this is the thing, yeah. and I'm trying. I'm not trying to conjure up a category. Yeah. Like this yeah. is like categorical. Um, so we tried that, and it worked really well. And then it was like, oh, we should apply this to the tech team. Like, like that seems useful because what started happening was the engineering org found out about it, about this document, and I got pinged by the VP of engineering, and he was like, hey, can I? Can I just like copy this and 
find and replace design mm. with engineering. Right. And I was like, well, if you're going to do that, <laughs> we should just like make these tech yeah. wide, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I worked with the leadership team and like we adjusted some of the principles to make more sense and like added a couple that like I hadn't thought of, right? We kind of iterated on this document. Um, and we used it for the mid-years and we used it again for the annuals and we're probably, I mean, it's still like it's a living document. We need to work on it even more than it was before. But I would say overall, the type of feedback we've gotten is better than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been really interesting to see that. Like, like when I started here, I used design a lot to like try out ideas and then if they worked to like spread them if they were spreadable um, or if people were open to them. And, and that's been working really well. Can we, uh, you, you wrote a, I forget the name of the article, but you actually wrote a, an article about uh, the power structure or the, or the organizational structure where you start at the CEO, orders go down, yeah. and you flip the pyramid around, and, and you created a, not a power structure, but a support structure, right? right? Um, now, granted, people can go out and read about it, but I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Can you give us the gist of what you were trying to get, or what, what you were trying to relay mm -hmm. with flipping the, the power pyramid? Sure. I mean, so I think the... The typical way managers think about, the I mean, typical managers I've had in the past, which is the opposite of everything I've ever tried to do as yeah. a manager, uh, have thought about their job as, um, as there's power in that job, right? There's like, I, and I think it's not crazy, it's like I, I still kind of perceive, like I look at our CEO and I'm like, wow, that, that person wields power, right? Yeah. Has like power to change things, to like say things and things happen. like. It never really goes away. Like that's, it's not untrue that that's that that's what happens. Um, but uh, but I think it's really useful for managers specifically and like leadership in general to think about it upside down. Like to think about themselves as uh, like there are times where like I have something I want to happen and I want to like work with people to make it happen and that's what we do. Um, but my pri that's not my primary mode. Like the yeah. primary job is actually to create a scenario where like uh, you're supporting the people that are actually like at the top doing the work, like mm -hmm. actually executing on everything. Because especially as you grow and scale, like that band gets wider than this than the than the leadership structure. Do you know what I mean? Like the like the uh, the amount of knowledge is so much bigger yeah. in that in that layer, yeah. right? In that like level of work. Um, like there's, uh, there are a lot of times I find myself like saying to a designer, like they're showing me some, some work and a couple of like directions and we're talking about it. I'm like, look, you know this better than I do. Like I don't actually, like I can give you an opinion, yeah. like a semi-informed opinion, but really like this isn't a brand question. This isn't like, yeah. you know, like you know this better than I do, so you should just make a call. Like what do you think is best? Um, I can are, maybe give you some people, advice. Are support. people like prepared for that when you yeah. talk? Because that's not normal, right? Yeah. So when you when is you it, is it not, no, it's not. Terrifying. It's, it's, no. Yeah, I mean, it's I, like I, they're I, asking you because they're like, I'm used to you making this call. Yeah, you know? yeah. 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 Do they get terrified around you? <laughs> Wait, you just tell them to make the call, or you go yeah. figure it out. No, I uh, sometimes I think they're startled. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's like a there's a moment where they they are like they have they know what they think, but they right. haven't said what they yep. think. Um, and they're kind of like, oh, uh, and then they'll tell you yeah. uh, what they actually think. Uh, we still, I mean, we still even today kind of battle that a little bit. And it's not because uh, of the power structure, I don't think. It's the, it's just getting designers to feel confident enough to make a call mm -hmm. right. for themselves. Or even even if it wasn't a call, even if it was just like, here's my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's just something with uh, 
like any creative pursuit, I think like people building confidence in their own opinions is something we're always going to work on. Mm. But a lot of time we do find ourselves, like someone will present a bunch of stuff. It's actually happened this week. And my first question isn't about the design. It's like, well, what do you think? Yeah. Person who did this. <laughs> like, why, like, why do you think that option three is the best? Tell us why. Let's talk about it. Because um, then it helps us like focus the conversation and onto yeah. what they actually want to know. Is, yeah. your, is your ideal work environment then that people around you that work report to you but still work with you obviously that they just make decisions is that like the ideal setup I think so I I, I read this book called uh, turn the ship around uh-huh. just I don't remember the name of the person who wrote it but the idea the core idea of it without explaining the whole thing was that uh, uh, in the military like in the Navy you the orders come down from the top right like you like if we want to turn left like the captain tells you turn this person to turn left, who tells this person to turn left. Yeah. But like really, the person down here who's steering knows we should turn left the whole time. They're just yes. waiting, yeah. right? And that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um, I can see the iceberg. Right. You know how slow <laughs> that is? Yeah. Like, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. I see the iceberg, but let's just like wait. hang on. I gotta wait. Am I gonna get that? Yeah. We just, I guess we'll run into it. Yeah. Um, but if you're talking about speed and you wanna move quickly and like yeah. especially digital stuff, like if we can change this stuff that all the time, sure. we can experiment with things, we can run an experiment. Um, see what the results are and make changes based on that. Um, so I think we're in a position to not worry as much about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I want ideally is uh, just to be informed. I just want to like I don't like the thing we try to avoid is surprise um, for like big things. Like obviously yeah. if it's like a small tweak or something, like, I don't really care. I don't want to know. Um, but if we're making a, some decision that seems semi-critical, like as long as people are aware, like that's that's actually one of the core things that the design team tries to do is like create awareness all the time with everyone, like not just me and not just the design team, but with every single person on the product development team. Um, because then it's like, it's up to me then to say like, hey, hold on, yeah. right? Like, and if I don't say anything, we're good to go. Like, you know, if you don't hear from me, that's a good thing. Like, yeah. that's like, it means like we're, we're cool. Yeah. Um, uh, and if I didn't see it and it goes out, that's my fault because you created awareness, and I just decided not. I just decided not to look, or I didn't have time, and that's not on you as a designer, right? I need you to move quickly. I need the teams to move fast. So I'm thinking through the lens of a designer now who is at a company, sure. is listening to this, and sees that iceberg within their product, right? Um, and they want to act. They want to turn left, right? How do they go about that without coming off as uh, what's what's the term like going against? In, like going against the grain? Like insubordinate or like, oh, you know, reckless yeah. or like just doing their own thing, right? Well, really, I mean, I think you really need the organization around it to understand that, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. I think there are, I mean, obviously, the, the way you approach something is always very important. <laughs> if you just make, make the call and you're like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. made the call, didn't tell anyone, yeah. right? Like, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, like, again, like, how do you broadcast an idea and, a, and like a choice mm-hmm. without making it seem totally final but inevitable at the same time, right? Like if nothing happens, this is what we're going to do. Like if no one says anything, this is the next step, right? So it's like I'm letting you all know that this is what we want to do and we're planning on doing this in a week. Like we're going to ship this. Like this is going to go out. Like that's the plan. And it's up to anybody to kind of weigh in. Like you, you don't want to ever close off. I think people think making decision is closing the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like that's the feeling that people want it's like oh it's over i made a call it's over but it's never over (laughs) like like, you know like there have been times like the day before like someone's going like hey hold on did you think about this important thing that no one thought about and like we have to stop and like reconsider there's no end um and so thinking about time and your work is a fluid 
like a flu like spectrum and like a fluid spectrum is like the only is probably the way to communicate you know about it um, so, without pissing people off too much so in that sense a designer who's recognizing this supposed iceberg has to present the outcomes potential outcomes right and maybe someone raises their hand and says that's not in fact an iceberg that's an opportunity yeah or these are two things to consider before you actually steer left or maybe we should actually steer right right and it's also up to the, the not just the designer but their team too to like figure out who are the people who would know the most yes right who are like if there is somebody there are also times where you broadcast something but you also should have like directly asked like gone to somebody for their opinion you know like where it's like oh this person actually is is a domain expert in this thing we're doing like we should ensure like that it's not just a broadcast that we hope they catch like we want them to give feedback like we need that from this person because otherwise like we broadcast this we ship it and then this person with domain expertise comes and tells us that we were like we're totally wrong yeah and here's why and we've just cost the business whatever how much money and like you know it's uh it's a whole mess and so kind of identifying who those people are and making sure that you engage them proactively will also save you a lot of pain so it's not it's not looking at this process as red tape, it's informed decisiveness. You want to make sure that right. you can make decisions, make sure you're informed when you make them, don't be a rebel. That's right. the gist so, of it. Right. People look at stakeholders as deciders, but they're not, they're not it, right. it's, it's all collaboration. It's like, who are my collaborators? Like, who knows the most, right? Like, who am I going to get the opinion from? As a manager, do you feel the sense of responsibility that your people's happiness is your problem, or is it their problem? <laughs> it's both of our problems. <laughs> um, yeah. I think there's only so much that I can do to make someone like happy with the job that they're doing or the team that they're on. Like there's a little bit of there's responsibility all over the place, right? There's responsibility to the people they work with, there's responsibility to the person who's on the team to frame things for themselves in a way that is healthy um, and constructive. I think like the uh, like I am here to help maybe reframe things or to point them in a direction or to give them advice on how to think about a problem that they're having, whether it's interpersonal or with the product or the process or whatever. Um, but like, it's, it should be rare that I am like reaching in to like touch like a team to like, 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 oh, this isn't working. Like I'm gonna reach in and do something myself. Like means something's horribly wrong. Like that like this is not working. Um, and I think they're, I mean, I can think back to my, in my career to times where like I wish someone would have done something, but really I should have done it. Like mm. I should have like just owned the way I was feeling and like tried to fit and like figured it out or like tried to work it out without feeling it was someone else's problem. Um, so I do like I do feel responsible to a certain degree. Like I feel like I need to create an environment where people feel like they can be transparent about how they're feeling, so we can help them. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, like again, like I can't force someone to think a certain way or feel a certain way, I can only try to create the situation that will, that, like, they will be most successful in. And that's, that's kind of it. So creating that environment where the team feels like they can be transparent, um, sometimes that coincides with uh, feeling vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So how can leaders uh, help make their teams feel protected? Yeah. Uh, I think protected might be the wrong way to look at it. I, like it's it's mostly about just like uh, I mean being able to be vulnerable is like the real part of it, and it's not about being protected from the outcome of being vulnerable, right? Because like that's that's also like just not healthy. Like you need to like there's going to be impact sometimes from decisions we make or feelings we have. Um, something I I do a lot is I try to talk to my team or like the, in one on ones or whatever about 
the problems I'm having. Uh, okay. um, not to lay it on them. Not, I'm, I'm not asking them for help, but like to kind of like admit that like I also have difficulty. Like there are, uh, or I'm wrong. Like I try to tell people when I'm wrong. Like I think that that's something that is really important. Um, like when I first got to BuzzFeed, we I wanted to make a lot of changes, right? Like I had this team I I didn't set up with processes I didn't have anything to do with, and like there were certain parts of the things I wanted to start experimenting with and changing, and that's hard and scary, right, for people, um, and disruptive and painful. There are like so many things, and especially if it's a bad change, because like you're, there's so many times, right, that you get into a situation where someone changes something for the worse, and then they just like hold on to it, mm -hmm. and like you're stuck as a designer in this like with this change that really sucks and you can't do anything about it because mm -hmm. the person in charge won't recognize it. Um, and so with each of the changes I made, I was very careful with the whole team to be like, look, we're just going to try this. And if it totally blows up in our face and it doesn't work, I need you to tell me because we will stop. Like I don't need, I have no ego about the process we have mm -hmm. or like the tools we're using. Like I just want to have like something healthy that you all feel is productive and we're going to try some stuff. And we've changed a lot of things based on that feedback. Like they are very open. Uh, I think we've created a situation where we're very open <laughs> about, about the things that are working and things that aren't working. Um, we we even like so we've we're actually about to do our second one of these. We have a we did a design offsite last year um, with a few of the designers and the, and the management design management team mm -hmm. uh, to talk about like some pretty hard stuff to talk about what we believe today. What are we doing today that we do because we just have always done it, and maybe some of the things we shouldn't do. I mean, we should change them. And like, we found out that the roles doc that I wrote when I first got here, that I that I actually like ripped off from the one I wrote at Etsy, was like wasn't working. Like, like the designers were super confused. And like, we you know, like we look at it and they're like, oh, I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. Am I doing a good job or not? And like, I think the fact that they can say that they all knew I wrote it, right? It was not like it was no confusion, like that I had done that. Um, but for them to be able to say that to me and. And trust that, I mean, we went and rewrote the whole thing. I mean, we spent the next, like, 12 weeks rewriting the whole thing, rolling out a draft to the design team, asking them for their feedback, making sure it was clear, and we're probably going to adjust it again, right? And, like, trying to create that situation by admitting the possibility of being wrong and the, and the desire to not, like, like, I don't care about being right. I just want it to be the best it can be, right? And so yeah. I think that makes, that actually creates vulnerability for me, which actually lets them... I think like be more vulnerable to us, yeah, yeah. Um, because they know there's no con like there's no consequence for being vulnerable. Yeah, and they also feel like an author is part of the process, yes. right? Right. S speaking of authors, I mean, you you write a lot. <laughs> you like that segue? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took good. me a second. It took me a second. Um, um, so you studied creative writing, is that right? Yeah. How do you use that day to day outside of writing on your blog, which is I read all the time. I love. Um, and then I'm very curious if you if you teach your team principles that they can bring into work every day uh, through expressing themselves. Forget writing. I mean, in any way, expressing themselves. Sure. Uh, so I'm a manager, so I write all the time. That's my basically my job now. I was up, I, like every every day. I start with like writing up. I'm writing Google Docs or something. <laughs> like I'm always like it's like every like all the designers have sketched and like I'm like uh, I probably just need Google Docs. Like if Google Docs went away, I'd be very upset. <laughs> it's like the, the whole thing. Um, uh, so I'm like my my job is communication, right? Like that's like the, the if you boil the whole thing down, like it's not design. My job's not design. My job's not like any of these things I'm doing. It's just like the core of it is just like if I is communication, like communicating to people and helping them do the same. Um, so I do that all the time. I write a lot uh, internally. 
as far as the design team's concerned, so uh, we do the same thing at Etsy. We use Basecamp here to document the design process. The designers like like document their whole project in Basecamp, which requires a lot of writing. Um, and uh, we, that's like that's something we're working on. I, I don't know that I. I mean, I can't claim to have like instilled any principles of communication in them through that. I think we work with them a lot on it um, because it's hard. Like it's hard to. Um, it's, it's hard, but important to be able to explain complicated concepts succinctly. And uh, this is something I've noticed recently that we do a lot on as designers. It's like when we're working on something hard and we start to explain it to somebody, whether it's in writing or like in person, we try to explain everything. We try, we be, try to be comprehensive mm -hmm. about how complicated this is because we feel like, well, we understand it. It took me a long time, so I need to like tidal wave you all this information. Um, and I think like as a writer, that's not something you never do. <laughs> you never you never do that. Like you try to like cut it down to like what is the essence. What do you actually need to know? What does this person have to know to understand what I'm saying? Or even what do they need to know enough that like they could ask a question about it? Mm -hmm. Then I can answer. Like giving people more of like a um, spending less time explaining and more time like answering um, and allowing for questions. I think is something that like we've been thinking about a lot lately in terms of how we communicate our work um, to each other and to other departments. Because um, again, like we kind of overload people with information still. Um, it's not just design, but like that's something on the design team we think about. How, how are you doing that with the team? Is like writing something you encourage them to do? Yeah, so uh, actually we just started this tech blog, which is pretty cool. And so we've been kind of challenging the senior designers yeah. to write for that blog. We had a Is this uh, like internal or external? It's external. Okay. So it's I, I think it's just tech.buzzfeed.com, maybe. Um, that's probably wrong. But <laughs> um, but anyway, like it's like a yeah, so we have like we we did have a design blog for a while and we had a few of the designers writing for it on Medium. We should mm -hmm. use Medium and like we wrote about the CSS framework we rolled out and it's like the designer who worked on it would write the post and then we'd do like, a, like I would help do a pass on it and give them some feedback and mark it up in Google Docs, my favorite. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then we'd roll it out and so like that was helpful. It's not the same though, right? Like it's like writing like a post about something. There's some similarities between that and explaining your work in a succinct way but like it's, uh, it's a little bit different because you're you know, trying to like, it's a little bit of PR. At the same time, um, the Basecamp thing we like we're still working out how to help people with that. Whether that's like uh, just forcing a framework that's simple, like that's something that's like uh, constraints are good, you know, like creating those constraints to like really just like this is it, this is all you should be writing, and like over time, kind of loosen that as people get comfortable with that and mm -hmm. it becomes a habit. Um, but I think that's just something we're always working against. I mean, we're going to hire more people. We're going to have to, you know, it's like everybody's different skill sets, and we're going to have to work on that all the time. So, for decades, design has impacted how we live. Now it's beginning to shape how we work. Here at IBM, design thinking has given us a new framework for teaming, for co-creating with our clients and users. It's helping us make decisions faster and it's keeping humans at the center of everything we do. Of course, we're inspired by our design program, which is over 60 years old. But today, IBM employs more than 1,300 professional designers, and we've certified more than 60,000 IBMers in the practices of IBM design thinking. The result? Diverse teams working more closely than ever with our clients, their users, and our partners to create modern solutions that provide differentiated, human-centered outcomes 
to the world. We'd love to share this story more closely with you. And I hope to see you soon at one of our IBM studios worldwide. We'd also like to thank our friends at Envision for their support. Envision is the world's leading product design platform, powering the future of digital design through their understanding of the importance of collaboration. They're used by some of the most innovative companies in the world, like Facebook, Capital One, Netflix, and Airbnb. I work with remote teams all the time, and I found that keeping a healthy dialogue is really important. Without it, building strong work relationships gets a lot harder, and that leads to poor collaboration. I've also found that prototypes are a great way for me to show my full vision for a design, and this helps cut down a lot of back and forth. Envision makes all of this really easy. You can rapidly prototype your designs and collaborate across every stage of your project, taking your ideas from concept to code. It simplifies virtually every aspect of the design workflow and makes collaboration a core part of the process for everyone, from project managers to designers, developers, and writers. Teams that build digital products are at a serious advantage when they use Envision's suite of prototyping and collaboration tools. It's the best way to get everyone on board. Visit envisionapp.com slash high resolution for three months free. So earlier you spoke about the fact that you also run the IT team here, mm. right? And, and you've been here two years? Two years. And how far into the two years did you start working with IT? About a year. So I've been managing them since January, I think, or December of like the last like, like 12, 13 yeah. months ago, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that we're most curious about is how do you split your time? Because as a VP of design, the last thing I thought about was like IT, right? Mm. Um, but it's actually pretty awesome. Like you spoke about what that relationship looks like. So yeah, like what what does a day look like or a week look like for Cap? Uh, uh, depends on the week. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Google Docs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's kind of insane. I would I would say right now, there's multiple problems right now uh, where I'm actually. One of my design managers is doing a six-week like residency off the team on a, on in editorial, and she's making editorial work, doing editorial work for six weeks. So I'm managing her designers temporarily for like another couple weeks until she gets back. Please come back, Sabrina. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah. So now, right now, it's completely insane. Mm -hmm. uh, but in general, I mean, the nice thing is like both on design and on IT, like the management, the managers on the those teams are pretty strong, and so like. Um, I lean on them a lot to kind of own the teams, uh, which as a manager, when I was not, when I was just a design manager, was like what I actually really wanted to happen. I mm -hmm. wanted to own the team, right? I wanted to like, with the other design managers, like have kind of like the, be able to put the vision forth and set the goals. And so I think like, um, I'm a lot more of like a connector and a, like a guiding voice for them. And like I, so I attend the manager meetings. So we have a design manager meeting each week and an IT manager meeting each week. Um, uh, we have team-wide meetings, right, that I go to, so all of IT and then, like, uh, all of design meetings, so, like, I go to those and talk to them. I have a lot of one-on-ones, <laughs> um, a lot of one-on-ones right now um, with all the managers, but also with some of the designers um, that I try to keep in touch with. Uh, I obviously, like, am part of, like, the tech leadership team, so I have those meetings where we talk about the whole tech team and how that's working. Um, that's kind of how my week looks. What I, did the What did the leaders see in you that they said, "Let's give the design guy this IT stuff"? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, by the way, I'm picturing that that's exactly how that meeting went. Let's just put the design guy in charge of IT. This is great. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't that far off. I, uh, <laughs> um, 
So what had happened was we had done a, uh, so we do employee engagement surveys. I don't know if like, yeah, a lot of people are probably familiar with this, but what happens is you send a survey out to the whole company, yeah. kind of gauging how people are feeling about the company's strategy, like the communication within the company, like about their own jobs, their team, their management, like how things are going, right? Um, and then we break that down by department. We can kind of get an overview of how like design feels within tech or how tech feels overall. We can kind of see what the trends are. And so about a year ago, uh, we noticed that the uh, the IT team was an was anom like an anomaly. It was like off, like it was very low. Like the way they were feeling about how things were going on their team uh, was not great. They weren't feeling very good. Uh, and they were kind of missing that, like their director had kind of moved on from BuzzFeed and like they were kind of, they were missing that person. And, uh, uh, and so there was, I don't remember exactly how it went down, but like someone had mentioned it in the leadership meeting that like, because I think it was very clear by that point that I really care about organizational things and I care about people. And, um, and I'd had some success with the design team and kind of like bring, like, again, that was a team that felt pretty broken and like, and a year in was feeling a lot like more stable and strong and healthy. Um, I think there was some trust there that that was something I was good at or cared about. Uh, and I remember getting a direct message from my boss who runs Dow, and she runs all of technology. She's like the one who oversees all of the department. It's like eleven o'clock at night, and she like messaged me on Slack. I wasn't even on. I wasn't even online. It's like on my phone, and like, and she said like, "Hey, like." Uh, were you serious the other day about managing the IT team? And I was like, I didn't, never said that. Like, <laughs> there's someone else that said that. Yeah. I should do that. I um, think that's called inception. Yeah. yeah, she's planted that in your in your mind. Yeah. Did I say yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Even now I'm questioning yeah. myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. did yeah. I do that? Um, and so she, uh, and so I talked to her about it. I was like, well, I want to talk about it. Like, I was only a year into the design team, right? I was still like, I had a lot of work to do still. Um, and I was like, look, I really care about, I mean, I knew the people in the IT team. We're not a huge org, right, in, in uh, tech. And so I knew them, I knew some of them personally. I really, I liked them a lot. I cared about them as people. I wanted them to feel good. And I was like, well, look, like, if I can help, like, as long as it's temporary, I'm totally happy to, like, work on this for, like, you know, we're going to be hiring somebody, right, to do this job. So, like, no problem, right? I'll do it for a few months. And now it's been over a year. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's how that went down. I, uh, yeah, and so... Uh, it's been actually really cool. I really, it's, um, I like I, I like design stuff, but I also really like. It's obvious I really like management things, mm -hmm. and I was really curious to see like is managing a different discipline. Mm -hmm. What what are the differences and what are the similarities? And uh, that's been really interesting to find out like what the what the like how common it is, and then also like the ways that it kind of isn't. What what were those things? The the differences and the similarities. Uh, well, the commonalities are kind of like. Uh, like every team needs the same stuff. Like at the, at the baseline, like there's a you know there's like Maslow's hierarchy of need. Yes. Whereas yep. the baseline is like food and shelter. Like every team needs food and shelter. There's no there's no other. If if you don't do that, nothing else yeah, matters. It's like right? that one department that doesn't get lunch. Right. <laughs> it's like we need lunch. We need lunch. Yeah. We should have some. Yeah. We should do something. Yeah. Um, about this hunger problem <laughs> in the department. Um, and so, uh, and those things are all the same. They're like uh, communication, transparency, like. Uh, you know, uh, managers who are thinking about the team's happiness, right? Like all these, like uh, all these, like you know, uh, knowing if you're doing a good job or not. That's like such a weird thing, but like everyone needs to know. Everyone needs to have some sense. Like I'm doing my job. I'm doing it well. You know, like you need to be able to like not have to get verified from somebody you're doing a good job or not. You should just know. Um, so there were things like, you know, 
raw documentation that didn't exist. So like, we should do that so that people can read it and know these are things I'm supposed to do. Great, I did them. Like, this feels good. Um, uh, regular one-on-ones with your manager weren't happening, right? And so like, we now we're doing, now the managers are having weekly one-on-ones with all the people that report to them. Like team goals, like how do like team, how does your team collaborate with each other? Like, these are all things that, like the design team needed, IT team needs, engineering needs, HR, everyone needs this, these things to be good in order to do anything, to execute at even the most like basic level, right? Mm -hmm. To get just to a foundational level of execution. Um, what's been interesting is the differences, uh, like there are departmental differences which I find very interesting. And they're similar, but they're also not. We're like, um, design sometimes like gets, like designers feel like a service sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. This is thing that we hear a lot. Um, but in like product development, particularly like particularly here or somewhere like Etsy, like it doesn't feel that way. Like it's like it's very integrated. It feels like uh, one team. Uh, it doesn't feel like a service. But essentially, about IT is it kind of always is. Like it's a piece of infrastructure. Like it's a core piece of like company infrastructure. And so that I, that feeling of being a service never really goes away. But all the pain of being a service remains. Do you know what I mean? They're like those challenges. Like with the design team, you're like, oh, let's get rid of those. Let's let's try to get out of that, right? The IT team, you can never you can never do that, right? You have to like like you have to respond when like someone's computer dies and their work was on it, and it was a really important story we're trying to get out, right? Or like. Uh, yeah, and so like that's like the it never really those challenges stay the same, and it's been a really interesting thing to try to manage and understand how to make it the best it can be and make them feel really great about it. Um, at the same time, as like not not trying to isolate like away from that idea, you know. Um, and that's been like the then the last this really occurred to me in the last like three or four months even because um, I think I've spent the first amount of time trying to like do the more team centric things that I know how to do already. Um, are you, so given the breadth of management experience you've had at BuzzFeed and the amount of work you've done with different kinds of people, if you were sitting across from two people at this table right now, us two, assume one of us is a direct report and the other one of us is a manager, what would you want, what would you want to tell the manager about the direct report that they should know to do a better job in, in their manager role? Mm. Um, and what would you tell the direct report about the manager to make them do a better job at, at being a direct report? Uh, I feel like the manager stuff is all a kind of a rehash of what we've said so far okay. about like uh, being open about your own like challenges or that you might be wrong or that, you know, kind of like uh, building empathy by being vulnerable yourself, I think is like really important. And then like listening to them yeah. and helping them. I think there's a thing where like, Managers listen a lot, but they don't do anything. Like they feel like, oh, well, I listened, and like that's what I'm here for. I'm like a therapist, and it's like, well, no, like, yeah. you know, like so we should encourage people to solve their own problems. But there are also times you need to like actually help somebody, and like that's important. So try to identify what those are. Ask if they want your help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, like I end every one-on-one -on -one with like, do you need anything from me right now? Is there anything I can do to help you? Um, and sometimes people say no, and sometimes people think about it for a while, and then they'll say like, oh yeah, it might be nice to whatever. Um, or I'll ask, like, if I did this, would that be helpful, right? Mm. Um, so the direct report, like, I think that uh, direct reports need to take more responsibility for making their manager good. This is like a really yeah, this might this might be a little fucked up actually, <laughs> but like, but I think uh, a lot of people, and this is not the fault of people that are of the of the direct reports. I think uh, not necessarily, but a lot of I mean, my half of my career, I didn't know what good management was, and I was getting managed. 
and I was getting managed pretty poorly if I like think about it. Like if I go back and think, okay, well, how am I doing this and how would I want this to happen? Like that wasn't happening for me. Um, but just because I had no clue, like I had never had a good manager, so I never understood what, then I never really pursued that knowledge mm-hmm. of what it should be. So like, you know, I remember when I had my first one-on-one at Etsy with Randy and I was like, wait, what? We're going to meet every week? Uh, <laughs> and I could talk about my problems and you might do something? Like, it was the weirdest yeah. feeling. It was just like, I was like, oh my God. I was like, That's, I spent six years like, do not having any of this, yeah. like just feeling so ticked all the time and not yeah. being able to like talk to anybody about it. Um, it was insane. I just... <laughs> Uh, and what's really the funny thing is the information's out there. Like I think uh, management books are not just for managers. I started reading management books before I ever became a manager when I was still like a direct report, um, because I just wanted to know. Like I had gotten to a place in my career where I was just like so frustrated with management that I just needed to know like why it was so bad. Um, so I started to read these books and like, uh, like I like, I would encourage anybody to read something like Managing Humans um, by Michael Lopp. Like that's like it's a very easy read. It's it tells you everything a good manager, like a, again, like kind of a baseline in some even beyond that of like what a good manager should even do. And then you should set your expectations. Um, like there are still times with my own manager today that I ask for things that I know I need. Like I need this thing, I need this from you. Like I need this direction from you. I need you to tell me this thing. Um, because it's like, I think it's unreasonable to expect that every manager is an expert. Because a lot of them are first time managers. I have like every manager on my team is, a fir- is their first time. Yeah. Like. Maybe they've been doing it for a year or two, but like, that's not that long. You know how long did it take you to get good at design? You know, like a decade, you yeah. know? And so it's, people see managers like, oh, you should just be really great at this. And it's not, it's, it's just as hard yeah. to get good at that. And so I think having expectations as a direct report, it's also your responsibility to not let a bad manager be a bad manager, mm-hmm. you know, and to keep pushing on that or to like raise it to their manager, right? Like to keep kind of like trying to get what you need out of yeah. them and to recognize what that is. Yeah. So like I don't, yeah, that's the big thing. I don't think people take enough. Ask for the things you need. Yeah. Um, so there's something at BuzzFeed called the manager den. Yes. So I'm really curious what that is um, and what are the outcomes that you're trying to produce for your managers, especially considering that you mentioned a good bit of them are first time. Yeah. Um, so full disclosure, I stole this from Etsy too. <laughs> This is a, a great, great art of steel. Um, and, and actually, I just got, I went down to, I went to Etsy a few months ago to talk to their learning and development team about manager, because yeah. they've been doing it for a lot longer yeah. than, I, than we've done it here. And uh, I only stole like my, my memory of it and like to talk to them about how they've evolved it over time, like what their success has been, like what the challenges are, like mm-hmm. how they structure it was really, and they were like, here's all this stuff. Like they just like gave it to us and it was awesome. Um, so it wasn't even stealing. <laughs> like, they were like, she's the, the person we talked to, she emailed me later with like all of these like videos that they use for like onboarding people into wow. dens and like, cool. it was cool. It was yeah. super neat. Um, she t- I have a textbook that she recommended on my desk that I'm, I'm reading a textbook yeah. on facilitation right now. Um, but it's really cool. So manager dens are, for us, are uh, bi-weekly. They're like every two weeks and they're a mix of managers right now across the tech team. Um, that meet together to, in like a space that we consider like a like a cone, like a cone of silence, kind of, where like people can say what they say anything. Like the managers can talk about hard, hard manager things. Because like you, know, you have a design review, you have a design critique, and people can get vulnerable in that critique. Ideally, you can give each other feedback. You can like talk about how hard the project is in that design critique. And like managers don't have that. Like managers don't have that outlet. They like, they have their manager, and that's kind of it. And the other thing I've noticed is like if you 
a lot of bad managers also have bad managers. Like, like that's not uncommon. And so asking and hoping that changes it isn't, isn't enough either, right? Like you're kind of like, they're limited in their ability to get that feedback, to get good feedback from people who have success or are doing things a different way. And so, um, and so we've mer like, you know, we have engineering managers, product manager, people who manage product manager managers, um, <laughs> uh, design managers, IT managers, like all, we've mixed them into these like four or five person groups, like little dens, and they like meet every couple of weeks and they talk about, it's a little unstructured right now, they talk about whatever. So like right now actually the big topic is around uh, annual reviews and like how to think about compensation adjustments, right? And they're having like hard conversations sometimes in meetings about like, well I have this person and like this is what's happening and I don't know what to do and like, but they have people they can get advice from, they have like a group of people who may have experienced it before, um, or have a similar experience, or think about something maybe in a different way, and that's been really valuable. Uh, we talked about, so we're re retooling them right now to be better, and we're gonna include another department. We're gonna start including some editorial managers very yes. soon. And uh, and the, the person I work with is on Amy and I, we were like, oh, we should pause the dens for like three or four weeks so we can like really focus on retooling this thing. And we, we suggested it to the people in the dens and they were like, no, like we are not stopping. They were like, don't pause this. Like they were like really like, don't touch this. Yeah, they were really like, wait, don't do this. Yeah. Don't, we, this is super valuable awesome. right now. And like, so we just were like, okay, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> like it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's been really awesome um, to give managers a place to talk to each other and to learn from each other. Um, and I'm really excited about the editorial thing. I think yeah. that's gonna be like way even more eye-opening for yeah. everybody about other challenges from other departments even. It's going to be really cool. So it sounds like uh, BuzzFeed has a really strong culture of empowerment and just mm -hmm. education, right? Yeah. Um, especially around roles. Yeah. So I'm really curious what your stance is, or not even stance, just how you think about hiring from the outside versus promoting from within. Mm -hmm. uh, I, mean, I, I mean, in terms of management stuff, ideally yeah. we're promoting within. Like, I mean, that's always ideal. I think uh, we're in a funny situation right now where no one on the design team wants to be a manager. They all want to be designers. Like we've talked to them all, <laughs> like, and everyone's just like, well, "I'm good. I want to be a, I want to be a senior designer. I want to be a staff designer." Like they're all like on that track, and they want nothing to do with what we do. So we have no choice. Like if we want to hire a manager, like if we need a manager, we're kind of hosed. We have to go outside. Um, but ideally, like yeah, I mean, it would be great to be able to cultivate that internally because you, it's just like. Uh, I remember when I got to Etsy, I was I came into Etsy from the outside as a design manager. I like came in as a manager, um, and at the same time, two of the designers were promoted to design manager. We were the first three design managers at Etsy like that had ever existed outside of Randy. Um, and those two, the two people, Kim and Jay, the other two design managers, had been there for a while. Like they'd been there for a year or two. Jay for a, a little bit longer. So they had a lot of trust already built up. Like designers already knew who they were. They they knew their work, they knew how they interacted with each other. And so what we wound up doing was like, I took on no designers when I started and they split the team in half. Because like that was just like, it was so much more effective that way. Like no one had to like go like, who's this person? Like they knew who they were. And so over time I wound up like, I did a little design work for a while, built up some trust, like uh, started to build out, you know, started to hire people for my team and like, you know, for the teams I was on and eventually like was managing people. but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always better that way because they already know who they are, and there's yeah. no, there's no fear. It's a built-up rapport and everything there. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned that uh, in the design team right now, there are a lot of people who wanted to just take the route of. You mentioned staff designer, senior sure. product designer. 
Um, which is awesome, and I think there's an underlying question there, which is, how do you see the progression of a designer's career? Because mm -hmm. there are many companies where, for a designer, they think that in order to move up, they have to become a manager, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, but and in they reality, do, actually, yeah. like that, that company. Yeah. yeah. But in reality, there is another route that someone can take, right? Yes. But it's not really defined and established. Right. Um, so I'm really curious to hear how you think about it and what you're doing here at BuzzFeed to actually allow someone to say, I don't want to be a manager, I want to be something else. Right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. there are a lot of people who become managers because they think they have to, and yeah. then they're terrible at it. Yeah. Like the, This is a very common tale where you take your most talented designer or talented engineer and you make them a manager, yes. and all of a sudden all your productivity goes away yes. and people are pissed because yeah. they have a bad manager. It's like yeah. everything goes wrong simultaneously, you know, and the manager's frustrated because they can't write code and like, or do the design work and like, yeah, it's just all a huge mess, and it's because you didn't create that structure. Um, so the way the design team is leveled is that the manager and design tracks are parallelized, um, so they're not they don't stack. They're not like on top of each other. If that makes sense, a lot of places yeah. are like it's stacked, where it's like senior designer, creative director, whatever. It goes up this thing. Um, for us, it's like you know, product designer, senior designer, staff designer, principal designer. We we aren't we haven't defined future roles because they exist, but we just don't, we don't have anybody that's knocking on the doors of those. We haven't taken the time to make them real. Mm -hmm. But then the staff designer role is the equivalent to the entry-level manager role. So like that's like design manager with, you know, four or five people reporting to them, like that's the same level as staff designer. And then like a principal designer would be a senior manager and so on up the yeah. thing. Um, and so, and actually like the designer levels go up to, I'm trying to remember, I think they go up to the like to my level. Like there's the potential, like okay. that 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 track. It's exists. not princi like principal is your level. No, it keeps going beyond that. That's like there's like it. principal would be the equivalent of like a of a director level. Gotcha. Interesting. And, and is this level like compensation power? Yeah. Uh, sorry, not huh? power. Like right. a power influence. <laughs> power <laughs> influence yeah. or like yeah. yeah. I mean yeah, it's it's well it's skill and influence yes. like on both tracks, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. um, like, we haven't really defined anything past it. The staff designer roles, like, is no one's in that right now. We have, we have a few senior designers who are working on the staff role, and I mean, as you go up in any of in either track, like things become more broad and nebulous, mm -hmm. and uh, more about leadership and like uh, identification of problems and solutions to problems, like more than it is about the like actual design work. So at a certain point, like if you're a senior designer, like you can keep getting better as a designer, you know, over time, but it's like pretty good. We trust you with almost anything. Yeah. Like, give you a project. Like, I don't that's not what I'm worried about. Um, it's like, how, like, are you saying, like, oh, we don't have design principles for our visual design system. Like, maybe we should do, like, that's what we want that level of designer to do yes. that the managers, like, are doing now but shouldn't be doing, yes. you know? So, senior designer is pretty common at this point. What does a, what does a principal designer do? <laughs> uh, well, so staff is, is after senior, and I, we haven't defined the principal role. Okay. Um, I mean, I would imagine it's more cross-departmental like influence, where you're working directly with other departments to like identify their needs to like ahead of time, or to like deeply understand that department. Mm -hmm. um, so, someone who works on tools for our business team, right on that team, like a principal designer in that role would know the entire business, like every piece of it yeah. would 
would always be in communication with that. Like, would you know what I mean? It's like it's more again, it's that gray area thing that I think becomes more important. It's super important in my role to know as much about everything as possible, right? Because I need to be able to make those like mental connections when they come up. And it's a similar thing I think for designers, where like as you it, that understanding of the business and of like the departments that you work with is like just has to get deeper over time, mm-hmm. um, as well as your influence on the design team, right at large. So, so Cap, we reached out to our community and we asked them to tell us what's on their mind and what they want to know about the most. So we have five questions that we want to get through with you, all right? Um, so here's, here's the first question. How do you explain the role of design to people at BuzzFeed? Uh, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Is one thing maybe. Uh, I, it's, like I said, I kind of talk about the, I talk about the mess of it. I think everybody, I haven't run into anybody that doesn't understand the, like, the core kind of function of a designer like the kind of like oh they they work on I've seen wireframes from this person maybe and I've seen like they see artifacts and they kind of understand that that's like kind of like code that we make we make some artifacts that go into a process that we work on together and come out with something um but I don't feel like I don't know that I ever really feel the need to like have to make them understand like Mm -hmm. unless again like the engineers understand very deeply without anybody explaining to them because they work with designers all the time and the designers bring with them FaceTime. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and the designers bring with them based on the role that they know they have, right? And like the kind of, again, the messiness that they bring in terms of writing code. And so they bring that into the team and so they don't have to really explain it very often. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the, how to answer that question. I don't, haven't ever had to really do that. Um, Maybe bad answer. Sorry, whoever asked that question. <laughs> How is the design team organized at BuzzFeed? Uh, okay, so there's, uh, so it's easy, probably easier to talk about the product development team. Okay. That probably might help because that's how we're organized. So there is a product design team. It's non-centralized, like it's distributed into the teams that they work with. So we don't all they don't all sit together. We don't sit together as a design team. Um, so the product development org is there's a there's a, a Group, a bunch of groups that work on consumer product. It's like the apps, the website, um, distributed stuff like uh, Instant Articles, Apple News, like all that stuff kind of lives in a few groups that work on this stuff. Our CMS, like uh, that our editors use to publish on BuzzFeed, like that all lives with the consumer groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a series of tooling teams that are internal tooling teams that are that work on. Uh, tools for our business unit and sales unit that work on workflow tools for all of our video producers um, to use to like publish, like to make and publish videos. Uh, and then a learning tools team that works on more like uh, analytics tools or like data analysis tools for content for our, the people that make stuff here to like understand how their video did or how their post did and how to like improve upon it. And so designers are, engineers and product people and designers are embedded into those areas. Uh, and uh, and work in tight teams, so they're like working like four or five people, you know, a few couple engineers, designer, product person are all working on that thing together. Um, and every once in a while, like that'll shuffle, obviously, depending on need and business strategy and stuff like that. But that's basically the organization, and they're like design managers that like uh, that manage specific groups and the designers in those groups, and so that's like so that they are also semi accountable for the output and the outcomes from the groups themselves. So it's not like managers managing random designers from different places. They're managing them directly um, because that's the group that they manage. Um, 
I want you to put yourself in the shoe of someone who might be the only designer in their business. Been there. There we go. How do you convince the leadership in that business of the value of design? Hmm. Uh, so there's a couple of things. I, I, I feel like the first thing to know is if you got hired as a designer, they must value something. They must value it in some way. I think it's mostly about, again, like their perception of what you do maybe might be different than what your perception is of what you do. Um, although like, you should bring that up maybe in the in the interview process. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you know, it's like I like I uh, I don't think I've ever been blindsided by. I mean, I've worked at three different startups yeah. as the only designer in all three of them, and I don't think at any point was I ever like, man, like this, they don't understand what I'm doing here. Like they all definitely knew what they were hiring me for. We talked about it in the interview process. They even like and a couple of them even taught me some stuff that I should be doing that I didn't know I should be doing. Um, and so, like, I, they, you can kind of you should be vetting that ahead of time, uh, but then trust that, like, if you got hired, they value you because they're they did it. They're paying you. They maybe they heard they need a designer, so they hired them, mm. hired you. But then, like, they are paying you to be there, so they they want to get the most value out of you. So I think it's about like proving that what you have to bring to it is valuable um, to the business. So, how do you? measure and present design results at BuzzFeed? Yeah, so they're not, we don't measure design results. We measure product result, like product outcome. So like we do a lot of A-B testing. Um, so I'm product managing the A-B testing like tooling team. And so like I've been doing that for like about a year. Uh, and so we have tooling that lets people run A-B tests pretty simply on BuzzFeed on all the like all the consumer products. Um, so we measure that, right? Um, because like, we, we've done great, what I think it's great design work that performs extremely poorly. Um, and we've done design work I think is just kind of okay that performs pretty well. Like, I mean, it's kind of like, you know. Uh, and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not here to make design successful. I'm here, for, we're all here for BuzzFeed to be successful, right? We're here to make the business successful. And if we're making calls based on our ego or based on our discipline, like that's probably not a good idea. Mm. Um, and then on the tooling teams, we do, we, like those teams are very hyper-connected. All of their like users are internal. They're all here, right? They're all in the building, or they're all in an office in the office in LA, or in the UK, and um, and so they're in tight, tight like communication with those teams, and they are working on those tools, like testing those tools with those teams, like giving them early looks at things to play with them, and like give them some feedback, and like that's like kind of like user happiness and like of using those tools is like kind of what they're measuring in sort of an unofficial way. We're trying. I'm hiring a user researcher this year that I want to work on, like making that a little more measured for those teams. I think that's like, that would be really useful for them to not be kind of guessing about where they're at with that. Um, but yeah, so like design success isn't like a metric. It's more about the, again, like the output of like engineering and design and product and what is the result of that. So we can end with this last one. As the function of design continues to evolve, um, what are some roles and methodologies that you think will emerge over the next five years? Um, I think design will be a lot more invisible over time. That's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, I mean, you look at stuff like Alexa or Google Home, and these are just like the first things. Uh, uh, like someone's designing those systems. I know some of those designers, and like you'll never see. It's not visual. You'll never see it. It's a system. Like there's a system design happening that like the design thing is extremely useful. Uh, like someone thinking about that experience and how the what the flow is of like if someone says this kind of thing, how do we respond and like what's the track of that? Yeah. Um, uh, that's something I think 
a lot of a lot of designers don't know how to do. First of all, like that deep system thinking is something that's just like a lot of companies don't make you do. Like I don't know that we do much of that here at Buzzfeed outside of the internal tooling stuff that gets really insane sometimes. But like the consumer products are like it's not an it's not a super complicated like system problem. You know what I mean? Like there's not it's not that deep deep like root problem that we're solving. Um, and so those are going to be really interesting jobs. I mean like like that will only grow. It will only become more complex and require more designers to think about it longer, you know, um, and have, and I don't even know what methodologies we can bring to that. You know, there's probably methodologies we haven't thought of that we're using old methodologies to try to solve this, these problems with. Um, AR is going to be really weird. I'm like pretty pumped for, everybody's up for VR. Like I don't I, I'm an AR guy. Yeah. I'm an AR guy. I'm an AR guy too. Yeah. That's good. I don't like VR. It's cool. Like it's yeah. fun. For, I mean, if I can watch a movie or video, play yeah. video games, that's neat. But like. Uh, Augment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I want to like. Just that word. Yeah. Like I would love to like, I mean, you can imagine like having a, having no screen, yeah. no computer screen and just like doing all of your work. Yeah. Like that's going to be a whole other thing. You know, like I don't need, again, like completely different methodologies, thinking yeah. about things in a completely different way. Um, so I, yeah, that's the thing I'm really excited about right now. Wow, well, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. Hey, you made it to the end, congratulations. Thanks for watching the episode. I really, really hope you liked it. If you did like it, please leave us a review on the iTunes store. And by the way, if you have any questions that came up because of the content that, that we covered with our guests, Go on YouTube, go on Twitter. You can tweet us, you can leave us a comment. We'll get back to you, we'll help you as much as possible. At High Res Podcast. That's the, the screen name or the handle for Twitter, for Instagram, for Facebook. Find us, talk to us, we wanna converse with you. Uh, we're not gonna leave here, by the way, without also thanking our friends at Searle Video. They've been an amazing partner on this entire project. So Searle Video is a creative studio based out of Portland, Oregon. They've helped creative communities tell stories for over 10 years. They've done advertisements, behind the scene footage, um, and documentaries for companies like Google, Slack, XOXO Festival, Adobe, Intel. They're incredible. They've traveled with us through the entire country documenting these stories with our guests. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Searle. Listen, if you're a startup looking to elevate your product, if you're a big company looking to humanize your brand, if you're someone in the creative community who just wants to tell a story, you've got to check out the team at Searle Video. It's searlevideo.com, S-E-A-R-L-E, video.com. Check out our friends at Searle. Thank you so much, guys. You guys have been incredible on this project.